Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Let's also be clear. The future is not just happening. The future is built by us. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. Today, we have the technology to hack human beings on a massive scale. Yeah, I mean, everything is being digitalized. Everything is being monitored. In this time of crisis, you have to follow science. Decarbonization of the economy. Where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So, individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. I mean, my top recommendation, honestly, would be just to have a carbon tax. It's often said that you should never allow a good crisis to go to waste because a crisis is an opportunity to also do good reforms that in normal times people will never agree to, but in a crisis you see we have no chance, so, 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 so let's do it. Surveillance, people could look back in a hundred years and identify the coronavirus epidemic as the moment when a new regime of surveillance took over, especially surveillance under the skin, which I think is maybe the most important development of the 21st century, is this ability to hack human beings, to go under the skin, collect biometric data, analyze it, and understand people better than they understand themselves. This, I believe, is maybe the most important event of the 21st century. By hacking organisms, elites may gain the power to re-engineer the future of life itself. Because once you can hack something, you can usually also engineer it. Natural selection is replaced by intelligent design. The era of inorganic life is now beginning. In the coming decades, AI and biotechnology will give us godlike abilities to re-engineer life and even to create completely new life forms. We are about to enter a new era of inorganic life shaped by intelligent design. Our intelligent design. Nobody will be safe if not everybody is vaccinated. Are you vaccinated? If I yes. ask. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm very, very pro-vaccination. Right? Yeah. We've, uh, it's, the science is unequivocal. The difference of this first uh, industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing. It changes you if you take a genetic editing, right. uh, just as an example. It's you who exactly. are changed, yeah. and of yeah. course this has a big impact yeah. on your identity. Yeah. Can you imagine that in 10 years when we are sitting here, we have an implant in our uh, brains, and um, I can immediately feel, because you all will have implants, I can, and we measure your, your brain waves, and I can immediately tell you how the people react, or I can feel, uh, how the people react um, to your answers, uh, is it imaginable? Just think of sensors planted into our brains. Basically implanted in your skull. So, uh, <laughs> but it would be so, uh, flush with your skull. So you basically uh, take out a chunk of skull, replace, put the neural link device in there. Um, you, you put the 
the electrode, you'd insert the electrode threads very carefully into the, the brain. To build basically an interface to the brain. Yeah. Electrode to neuron interface at a micro level. Okay, what is it? Like, I'm gonna have like a plug in my head that's gonna fit into a hard drive? Like, or how does that work? Yeah, yeah. A chip and a bunch of tiny wires. This, this would be implanted surgically. And it would do what? Could you input? Could you download Jim? Mm hmm. Yes. What, what, what? <laughs> the long term aspiration for Neuralink was, would be to achieve a symbiosis with uh, artificial intelligence. What we have seen so far, it's corporations and governments collecting data about where we go, who we meet, what movies we watch. The next phase is the surveillance going under our skin. COVID is critical because this is what convinces people to accept, to legitimize total biometric surveillance. One of the things that I think is so essential to free and open societies is freedom of thought. Um, and up until now, the conversation we've been having is around freedom of speech. Once we can access people's thoughts and access people's emotions, um, we have to create a space that enables people to think freely. What the fourth industrial revolution will lead to is a fusion of our physical, our digital, and our biological identities. It is important to use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity. So people assume uh, we are just going back uh, to the good old world which we had um, and everything will be normal again in how we are used to normal in the old fashion. This is, uh, let's say, fiction. It will not happen. Um, see, see, uh, cut which we have now um, is much too strong uh, in order not to leave traces. The future is not just happening. The future is built by us. Monday, May 1st, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. I recently made that montage this morning with a bunch of other great work. You saw the high wire in there. That easily put together montage of information, which has nothing to do, by the way, with the main focus. Oh, I shouldn't say nothing, which is tangential to what we're going to discuss today. The Charles Lieber connection and the focus of how all this overlaps. But just I'm just blown away today by how clear this stuff is. Actually, on that note, since I'm starting with this, I had some other things I want to open with. But I, this is the the video I just made today just kind of quickly put this together. I'm just going to read to you what I wrote here in the opening thing. I said, we're in a very interesting yet equally terrifying point in our history where the powers that wish they were, again, nod to, uh, to John Bush. <laughs> Make sure I can say his name wrong. Uh, I love that he said, he, he gave me that, he made that term, I guess, that I love, which I love, the powers that wish they were, were, were at a point where the powers that wish they were are seemingly marshalling all their efforts to drive the population into a technocratic control structure from which we can never return. And the reason I say that this is an interesting time and not just a terrifying time is due to the fact that we, at least in my opinion, by the way, that we have never before have, have, have that never before has the agenda been this laid bare and never before has the population had the hard, verifiable data to confirm for themselves individually that this is indeed happening. It is all there in front of us right now. We all see this. Not opinion, but stated record, documents, planning, open execution. 
I created this short video montage on the clear technocratic path that is being aggressively formed right in front of us in the hopes that it can reach those in the world who just need to see it for themselves. Moreover, I hope that those who see why this is important will carry on researching and sharing what they find with the world. Question everything. Now, I really think this is an important direction that is very obviously being done. Now, what's even crazier about it is on the surface of it, they're going, well, yeah, but it's just good for you where it really matters. But even then, that's disputed later on Twitter by people that don't want to you know, pretend that you're a conspiracy theorist for saying what they just said. It's mind blowing. Now, today we're going to focus on what I call what, you know, what I just framed as the Charles Lieber connection. Now, by no means does this encapsulate everything that could be swept in around Charles Lieber. This is just something I put together today that I really as you guys know, I've been talking about the Charles Lieber, the overlap with COVID-19, the Chinese overlap, the, the biological, the, the, you know, the leading nanotechnology scientist in the world and still is. Apparently, we all thought he went to prison. He's still doing things. Uh, the uh, Miriam, the bee lady just sent me something, which is kind of the impetus for one of the focal points today. And we're going to go over why I think this is so important. Now, whether or not you think Charles Lieber is involved in any way, what I really want to focus on is the technology. And how we can see such an obvious directional change from what and, and, and be clear about this. And even his own work and people around him will say that everything we're dealing with today is only possible in the context of the nanotechnology injection. And even the mRNA platform using the lipid nanoparticle kind of that's because of Charles Lieber, at least in part. And we're going to go over how this has been going on a long time and how a lot of this has been in the works a lot longer than we realize. And really what I want us to ask is whether or not this, as I've said many times before, if there are parts of this that are already happening without our knowledge, if there are things that are being done through this that we don't know about, or if there's some a larger agenda through all of this, but really how this is clearly driving us, seeming a lot of people just goose-stepping right into the technocratic panopticon. And it's all right there on the surface. Now, what we're going to go over with Charles Lieber and the research there, think about the clip, which I'm going to play again at the end, by the way. Not because it's, I made it necessarily, but because I want that to be solidified on either side of this in people's minds, like this connective point between not just Libra and the technology, but how we've watched this march forward, how they're coming out. And, and as I've said many times before, some of the clips of Klaus Schwab talking about the fourth industrial revolution were a while ago, not that far, but before we got here. So people would always go, oh, that's one of those. He's talking about the future. He's not talking about the future right now. When he talks about the fourth industrial revolution, he means now. When he's talking about in this time period, you will blend your biological and digital identity. He means right now. That's not what the average people shouting you down want to think, but that's what he means. So with that being said, and the, con in the, in the conversation of nanotechnology and self-spreading vaccines and smart dust and all of these things, ge geoengineering, you know, where does this all come together? And as always on this show, I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I want to give you the, the information to begin asking the right questions somewhere we got to start. But let's get into and I have a few things I'm going to start with that are sort of related and more so just kind of I want to include. But we the 99 percent of the show is going to fo focus on Charles Lieber, the COVID-19 direction and the technocratic future that it seems to be driving us to toward. So for again, if you want to make sure you watch, if you want to you know, download this watch for yourself, it's only six minutes. I put this together uh, just real, you know, reasonably quickly. I think it's an important thing to share. Uh, well, that's, that was just open from something else. Now, I wanted to include something I thought was really interesting. Oh, I mean, since that was, that's funny, that was just happened to be up right there. We'll see if that is the same thing that's showing. Most likely not. 
Oh, well, in any case, if you got the glimpse of it right there, uh, Whitney Webb was just on Redacted. Uh, on that note, by the way, which is when it jumped into my mind, we were, Whitney and I were just talking about this exact topic. I sent this to her and said, you're, check this out. You're not going to believe it. So this guy, Joshua Browder, which, by the way, this does clearly kind of overlap with a lot of the stuff, including in one way you won't expect in just one second, who is talking about using what they're calling auto GPT. So apparently there's now more than one. That's not just chat GPT. There's more programs here, which apparently there's more like 10 or I've, I haven't gotten a good picture on the exact amount, but apparently there's a lot more of these and it's not just chat engagement. There's lots of these programs now or more than one that are taking steps into our world, into the active act engagement of hum, of humans, right? Not just chatting with one thing, but engaging with other humans on your behalf. This is really concerning. Now, most people don't even realize this is happening. This is a huge and dangerous step. Now, you may not think it's dangerous because they're nefarious, but we have to realize how quickly this can get out of control. And I think there's a reason for this. Now, the point is for the podcast, Joshua Browder is saying, hey, I decided to outsource my entire personal financial life to chat GPT-4, or excuse me, to, to GPT-4, apparently via the do not pay chat we are building. He gave this auto GPT access to his bank, financial statements, credit reports, email. It gets way worse than that, too, when you read through this. He starts, he basically gives it control and access to access to everything in his life, financial and otherwise, for the most part, and but financially focused. And ultimately, and when I say and otherwise, you'll see why, ultimately he starts going, okay, well, let's see if they can do things for me. And one of them was talking about a gym membership that he doesn't use uh, right here. And so, not, so he, he asked it to cancel it. And it goes, it says it immediately drafted a legal notice to cancel, e-signed it, and then connected with USPS to mail it, all without leaving the conversation. So did he ask it to do that? Did he say, create a legal draft, sign it, send it, talk to the mail service? No, he just said, cancel my gym membership. I just think that's a pretty crazy. Now, he'll go, th- read this for yourself. It's very, he, has, he goes into it pretty deep. I just think this is pretty naive for someone to think that this, whether or not you think it's a, you know, a what's the right word for it? Some kind of a trap. What, this just seems irresponsible. Like there are people right now today who can steal your identity for, with far less access than that. And like, I don't mean like giving over all the information. I mean, like just the fact that he's exchanging this with some program, there's, just, there's, there's plenty of ways people could intercept that. If not the chat, the program itself. Right. But all that being said, the concerning part of this is how quickly this is evolving and it's, it's blowing up all over the place, and people like this are making it sound like, hey, look at this, this saved me $20 and whatever else. Super benign, right? Whitney Webb and I were talking about this, and she was going, oh, my God, you're not going to believe this. There was a program almost exactly like this, specifically designed for AI to do your finances that was created by, or, uh, uh, promoted and created by none other than Jeffrey Epstein. I just think that's like macabrely hilarious. Now, that is not necessarily proof of anything. It could just be a coincidence, but I think what's interesting is this large overlap that goes far beyond health-focused things, vaccinations, AI, human trafficking, but rather encapsulates a lot of this stuff or concludes a lot of this stuff and ties back to the same powerful people involved in a lot of the different things. So what's interesting to me is that this is something that was pushed forward by people like Epstein at a time when he was not seen as what he is or what he is was, except for people like us in the media that were trying to call it out. But he was working on the same kind of thing that is now becoming ubiquitous and, and in the same direction of the Great Reset and the nanotechnology and all of this. Now, with this discussion of this whole technocratic direction, this is exactly what they want. 
Remember the whole you'll own nothing and you've never been happier? Like if you can outsource all of your concern and just sit back and that's what they want. But understand that that does not equal freedom. That does not equal lack of concern. Or at least that's my opinion. But I hope I'm wrong. Or rather, I hope we never have to find out. Anyway, look through this for yourself. Now, here is the, the link to this. You can find it on BitChute and Odyssey and whatever else. And I, this, this is an interesting discussion about where it goes. But I also want to point out uh, some great posts that Brock just put up today from other shows we just recently did. Gates-funded biofoods now here. This was the whole a- appeal. Very concerning thing. Now, remember, this one wasn't necessarily like some huge bombshell, like this is going to kill you. Nonetheless, it's still important to go through and pick these things. Like It's almost like we see so much crazy stuff going on today. That when we see something like this, that's like, oh, it's got tri and, and mono fats. And, like, and we're like, that's nothing. But when you actually look into what this is, and it's not by any means better for you. In fact, there's a lot of concern about how it could actually be more unhealthy. But why is it better? Well, because we can control the food supply. Well, because we can, you know, whatever the, our thought would be and then on their side, maybe because we can make sure everyone's always got food. But that never ends up being the way it is. Either way, it's not what's promised. We keep getting sold this idea of this green, you know, paradise of nothing happening negative to anybody and it's just not actually even what they're doing not even actually what they want to create and on that note as well oh actually since i just said it let's do this one first is uh scott just put out another weekly wrap-up uh we we just had a great meeting today about the future of this we're planning on doing a lot more stuff there's a lot of stuff coming your way weekly wrap-up it was just what he's going to start doing once a week for sure which is just basically a breakdown of both mine his and all of t lab content we also just talked about an important overlap as well that you know we technically we have now you know brought rebunked under the umbrella of the last american vagabond we haven't done much in that direction so we just had a great discussion today about integrating rebunked with the last american vagabond website and all this different stuff because i want scott's work to get a lot more reach and it's important to utilize this whole platform for that exact reason and these are some of the things we keep talking about is how we're growing and broadening out you know we have big big plans for where we want to take this in any case make sure you check out this there's some great work this week different shows we've done different interviews some important stuff and then on that note one of them was uh, a recent article that, that Derek just put out, Rockefeller Foundation's new focus on climate change signals the next phase of the Great Reset. Again, this brings us right back into the main point here. The Rockefeller Foundation and their new focus on climate change signals the next step of the Great Reset, showing the, the overlap of all of this. The climate change lockdowns are coming and the, you know, the, the justification for more control. It's all just another means to an end. And the Great Reset is very obviously tied in with all of that. But the Rockefeller Foundation, you can find out, has been tied in with just about everything. I was going to get into a focus on the kind of transgender psyop again, which for those that are new does not mean that I'm talking about the mainstream conversation. Rather that the political conversation is using the transgender concept to manipulate people. There's plenty of bad and good in that category. Is that any other category? Right. The bottom line is that there is an interesting overlap of the Rockefeller Foundation with the impetus, the origins of this conversation. I mean, all sorts of stuff. There, I'll, I will get into it. There's a great article by uh, Josh Wilkos, Wilkos uh, Champagne Joshi on Twitter, who's going, who just knocked out of the park with this breakdown of the historical origins of the, the idea. Like the, who, the actually person, I think it was John Money, who coined the term transvestite. Turns out the guy was actually a pedophile. And that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody that goes in that direction is the same, but it's interesting to see where this ties back to. And since, I mean, since I'm mentioning it, I'll, uh, I have this stuff over here still. Here it is. I'll include it, but I will do a focus on this so you guys can read it forever uh, in the future or read it now and I'll talk about it in the future. In any case, the point 
was that this is much bigger than we realize. And all of it seems to be leading in the same direction. Lastly, since I mentioned uh, Scott, he's also working with Unjected, by the way, and I didn't know about this. And then we'll jump into the COVID start here. Is apparently Unjected has, you know, I can't tell, we can't, he can't tell, or he just told me today, but they can't tell whether it is an attack or just incompetence or just vitriol. But apparently one of the people that was working with them has just refused and locked down the site. He was one of the people in the back end, which is why it's so important to get work with people you trust, especially with technology. They just locked him out. So now they're working with the wellness company. They are rebuilding an entirely new site. Like, it's going to be fantastic. So the show's not done. The site's not done. They have more and better coming your way. So just wait for that. Make sure you check it out. I'll include this press release so you guys can read it. Now, opening points aside, let's start in regard to some quick points on the COVID-19 risk point just so we don't forget what we're really talking about here and how obvious this has truly gotten. Now, we were talking about this in the beginning about, you know, oh, well, when it comes to somebody important or somebody in the, in the mainstream, you know, like a DeMar Hamlin, when something like that happens, well, then people will have to address it. Well, not when they can just yell commotio cordis, or, which, by the way, has been, I mean, thoroughly, utterly, completely shown to not be the case by all the experts that actually know what they're talking, not the sports announcers that repeated what they were told, you know, the people that know not the newscasters that say the experts say, but the actual expert. The reality being is that that's something that can be pushed aside. But apparently, as of April 18th, which you guys probably saw, Jamie Foxx had a stroke. Now, what's interesting about the way they frame this is, quote, they're still trying to figure out what happened. <laughs> he had a stroke. What do you mean? Right? Like, what's the implication there? Like, so are you trying to figure out what caused the stroke? And in that case, then why would that be the, the headline? Don't you always want to know what caused it? Like, and why would it be like, we're still trying to figure it out? That's, it seems like an odd focus unless the underlying point is don't talk about the real part. Let's keep the conversation going as we don't know, we'll never know. That's what that feels like to me. Now, I'm not saying I know for sure. I do know that he is most likely injected and been on plenty of locations that need or demand that that's happening. So ultimately... We shouldn't say we know for sure, but I think it's quite obvious that this is a likely cause. Like Maholtra and McCola have been saying at this point, it is, we should assume it's that until proven otherwise. Now, I don't mean that in the sense of like investigatory work. From my perspective, we don't know. But for the average person, I mean, this is not a question that we shouldn't be standing back going, well, we don't know for sure. We should go, well, we can't prove that. But logically speaking, it can cause this. It is causing this. He took it. So what are we talking about, right? As let's just start, start grasping into the wind for any other possibility, that's dishonest. And on that same note, speaking about larger people, we just talked about this. No, it seems like nobody cares. The president of Turkey just had a myocardial infarction after he had three shots. I mean, it just, it's, it's starting to get really obvious and it's starting to begin. It, I mean, it depends on how you look at it. Maybe Jamie Foxx ran afoul of the establishment. We clearly know that Mr. Ant, Mr. You know, Erdogan was very clearly kind of poking in the eye NATO and the U.S. kind of just doing its own thing, right? It's part, it's a part of NATO, but it clearly was kind of walking its own line. So you could argue that these people, the point I'm getting at is that maybe they were, you know, hurt by this and other people aren't and so on. I guess the real point I'm getting at is that if this is happening to people at this level, that seems to indicate that it wasn't something that was selectively given to certain, you know, just the certain population and the elitists didn't get hurt by it. I don't know. We should still be questioning all this stuff. It's very possible this is just something that was designed a certain way and got it a hand. Now, don't let's be clear. Are they capable of doing the most extreme thing we're talking about? Like the most like considering this as being some kind of long sought, 
multi-generational dystopian depopulation program? Sure, absolutely. Are these capable? It's not even a question. Are they capable of that? Absolutely no question. Do we know that's what's happening? I would say no. Certainly possible, and I think the evidence is there. But my point to this is that it's amazing that the corporate media is not even talking about this kind of stuff right now. Now, the last point before we get into the Charles Lieber point, well, just to just point this out. And I find this to be really interesting, seeing as how cannabis has been this long sought focus of, you know, an attack by the establishment. Now, why is that? Why cannabis? Out of all the things we could talk about, I truly believe because this is a special thing. And it's not I'm not talking about smoking marijuana. Sure, that should be your option or your choice. If you want to do that, it should be absolutely something you you know, it's your prerogative. But what I'm really talking about is the medicinal purposes of what this is, not just cannabidiol or THC, but all of it together, which creates the entourage effect. And there's science around how this actually creates it. It trains the body to heal itself. Now, again, for those that are pushing back on cannabis is a drug and it's evil. Fine. Then let's not talk about that. Grind it up and put it in the shake. Right. The PC, when you really when you get into the conversation with somebody who's like wildly anti cannabis, Alex Bernstein, the point ends up being that it's not really about like, okay, then why would you have an issue with somebody grinding this up and doing it, drinking it medicinally? If your whole point is that smoking cannabis kills everybody, but yet they still push back on that. I don't understand that. Are you are you are you implying that by doing that, it's dangerous because you can argue that or clearly prove that it's actually not. And on top of the fact that it's the smoking of it that actually creates the, by and large, the psychoactive effect. But all that aside, I think it's because what this, the, the cannabidiol and the, the cannabinoid system of your body, which most people don't even realize, it's like the jury nullification point of your body. It's amazing that people don't realize what jury nullification is or realize that you're able to do that as a jury, which circumvents the judge and the court system if you all decide what the outcome should be. Look it up. But they don't want you to know about that. The point is that I believe that these things are truly powerful for your body. You look up where my point was, the can, you have a natural cannabinoid system. You don't have a natural system like that for every other drug. Explain that to me. There are actually naturally produced cannabinoids in breast milk for a baby, whether or not the person's ever consumed cannabis. Because it's, I mean, I can go off forever. All of this stuff means there is an actual inherent connection for our bodies and what this stuff is, the, the, or at the very least, the, the process and the chemicals and what's involved with this natural substance. Now, back to the point, it seems to have been attacked as long as I can remember for very certain big, big important reasons. And it just so happens to turn out, which we covered all the way back when I saw this, which was uh, 2022 of January, that cannabis apparently has pretty strong effects on stopping SARS-CoV-2 and and the emerging variants from hurting your body or from blocking the entry of them into your body. Isn't that amazing? No, it shouldn't be. It, it's very powerful for just about everything under the sun. And the shocking why nobody wants to talk about that. The reason I'm bringing it up today is one, as this is just one we talked about back then, cannabis use disorder, which what in the hell is that? All that really means is that you take cannabis, you smoke or you use cannabis and they just name that a disorder because you must be in a disorder if you're a, is there a, is there a, a cigarette disorder? Is there an alcohol disorder? Well, yeah, there are both. But the point is, but using them is not a disorder anyway. But it says may be linked to growing numbers. What do you mean may be linked? So your, your title is we have no we have no idea. Could be. It's like you usually say is linked to, which even that means it's not for sure. It just means there's a connection. This article is may be linked. This is garbage propaganda about cannabis causing heart attacks. I made fun of this for 40 minutes or however long I did in the show I did. It's insulting to your intelligence. 
Not only is this wildly unscientific, inaccurate, blatant lies, there's no connection other than something else that could be triggered by inherent genetic problems because of, and I've gone over in the past. That's ridiculous. Plenty of people will push back on that. But my point is that this came out during the COVID-19 argument to undermine the idea that, no, it's not injections causing heart attacks. It's all those cannabis users. Well, I bring it up today because even somebody like Dr. John Campbell just broke this down. I would love for someone to put this in front of Alex Bernstein. His head's probably going to explode. Now, the point is that you just don't want to see how obviously this is a connection. Cannabidiol and COVID. Now, I'm just going to play one quick part of what he says here. You guys can watch the rest of it for yourself. Well, one welcome. There's the other one, the CBD, the cannabidiol, which is very much none uh, psychotropic. It doesn't affect the brain at all. Now, I'm going to give evidence today that the CBD, the cannabidiol, seems to have, and there's pretty good evidence from this study and other studies, antiviral properties. Now, we'll be looking at evidence that it uh, reduces the infection from SARS coronavirus too, and helps with the illness. And we'll be looking at evidence that it helps with another RNA virus, hepatitis C. Aha. Now, you guys can watch it. Now, he goes through this, and it's, it's, it's profound. The stuff that this does is profound. Like, the numbers he lists off, it's like, wow, that, that's better. Like, at least perception-wise, and, you know, the studies could be wrong. It sounds better than the average things you might go buy at the store for, you know, whatever, hepatitis. Now, the bottom line is, oh, interesting, another RNA virus. Now, maybe that's the whole point. Maybe this is so important because cannabis has a very specific, particular effect in regard to exactly what has been created. We talked about similar things with Steph, Dr. Stephanie Sneff, PhD. There's a lot of interesting overlap to all of this. Now, these are just my hypothesis. This is just my hypothesis around cannabis, cannabinoids, CBD, all of it. In any case, I think it's interesting to see that. And this is the article I went over this on. It's not in the title necessarily, but it's important if you want to check it out. Here is the actual local report. You won't find this anywhere else other than local. Cannabis compounds prevent coronavirus from entering the body or the cells. Isn't that amazing? Like, think about how ridiculous it is that you can find a substance that will literally stop it from entering your cells. As if the point being, you won't get sick and nobody talks about that. It won't get, what you should be literally handing out cannabis to everybody Make it a, make it an oil non psychoactive compound. The point is they never wanted to do this or anything else that would work. I find that pretty telling. Now here's the study, and this one was not the one he's talking about. This is from 2022. He's got new studies you can look at in the show notes of his of his video, and yet nothing's happening. Just shows you how ridiculous this is. Now last few points to continue the thread on what's currently happening. Peter McCullough points out the obvious ridiculous shill and wildly unhealthy individual peter hotez except he wants to tell you how to be healthy first peter mccullough says something about the mrna technology oh wait no that's um oh so I, this might i think this is peter hotez quote first something about the mrna technology isn't holding up as well why we don't know yet that is the reality well welcome to the team welcome to welcome to a fraction of the truth hotez now all that really is is him grudgingly admitting what we've been saying what peter mccullough has been saying the entire time so ask yourself how stupid that is and what that means. So did you just now figure this out? Is it possible that McCall has been wrong the whole time and he just accidentally got right and it's only been true as of now? Obviously, that's not true. We've been proving this. He's been proving this with data, with peer-reviewed science. So all that really shows you is that now that Hotez is finally saying it, either he hasn't seen it this whole time, which means you shouldn't even listen to this guy, or he's been lying the whole time, which means you shouldn't even be listening to this guy. Get the point? As senior clinician scientist, I can tell you it's not a mystery, Peter says. COVID vaccines are completely unsafe and ineffective. 
And now you've got Fauci and Cell.com admitting, well, the whole process is, needs to be retooled and it's not working. But we're still forcing people, though. That's still happening. And now Peter Hotez comes out, one of the biggest pushers, going, well, it's not holding up well. Gee, I wish you would have heard that in T-Lab's show back in 2020 when we were literally pointing out what we were finding. And then again in 2021 and later in 2021 and more in 2022, over and over and over. Negative efficacy, 76%. Remember how long we've been talking about this? It's mind-blowing. Well, the reality is not just Hotez, who is acting like we don't know for sure. How fun that is we keep hearing that. We're baffled. We don't know. Here's Steve Kirch's recent newsletter from today. Why is Bill Gates ignoring all adverse data on COVID vaccines? Do we even need to answer? We all know what's going on. Like we, I mean, we shouldn't speak in such subjective terms. I just, that's just my, I say that I'm speaking off the cuff. It's my opinion. But nonetheless, it's, we, the data is clear. Now, I mean, you know what? I even take that back. I feel like it's, I should, we should be able to say that because it is that clear. The evidence and data that we have is not questionable. The reality is the data is coming from them, the people that are yelling that we're wrong. And you could look at the data, like the phase three trial, I'll show you in a minute, that says they're lying. They just yell at you a narrative and people listen. So the point is, why are they not addressing this? I think we know why. I, I mean, literally, this point is beginning to think look like accountability. These people might actually be worried they'll go to jail. I mean, look, if that's really where we are, we should be happy because that means that they are not in control. Think about that. Now, obviously, it could be something else. Maybe we're all falling into a trap, and this is exactly what we're supposed to be doing, and that's always possible. Question everything. But at the, at the moment, I think it's pretty clear. Now, what I just point, showed the, just recently, this was on uh, Kanoa the Great shared this, which is a good account to, to follow. Kanoa does good work, kind of clipping things up and putting different stuff out. Uh, I try to reach out for an interview, but apparently he's kind of behind the scenes at the moment, but I think he's doing good work. You hear that, Kanoa? You want to come out for an interview? I'll be the first one. You can, you can even keep your face hidden. <laughs> but the point is, Dr. Asim Holtra was on Joe Rogan and basically broke down the, uh, I'm going to say how long was it? It's only oh, six minutes. Yeah, I was going to play part of it. But the point is, he tells Joe Rogan that the reanalysis of Pfizer and Moderna's original clinical trial data shows that COVID mRNA vaccines increase your risk of serious adverse events. You've heard this before. Isn't that crazy? How many times have you heard this before? Over and over and over, which this is kind of what blows my mind. Now, I'm under no illusion that because I say it all the time that everybody somehow must know about it. That Whether or not I was being unsuppressed or not being suppressed and you know, had honest reach still, even I know that's not what's happening. What I still find crazy is it's not just me. Plenty of people in our circles and independent media have been pointing at this study over and over and over for so long. Serious adverse events of special interest following, right? We I keep pointing this out. 36% increase in serious adverse events after the secondary analysis of their own phase three data. Like, just think about how crazy it is that we can literally point at this and say, look, the Pfizer group had a 36% increased risk versus not having it, period. End of sentence. That should end everything, but it doesn't. Are we disputing it? Well, no, no one's disputing this. There's no detraction. There's no comment. Okay, so they're just ignoring it. There's no misunderstanding that. So what I think is really crazy, as I said, indeed, if, and if you've been watching T-Lab, and it's no slight on Kanoa or Asim or Joe, it's good that they're talking about it. But if you've been watching our show or many others that have been talking about this, you would have known this since September 2022 when the study came out. If the flow of information was not so tightly controlled, more lives would be saved. I find that very interesting and it's still happening and it always seems seemingly will. And that's, that's not necessarily even like a mainstream versus independent kind of a thing. 
It just seems that at every level, people are just very controlled in the information flow, and things only seem to matter when they come from certain locations. We need to get over that. But I said, regardless, it's still great to see it getting reach. And it's a sign that we have won this arm of the information war. I believe that. But this is allowed, but this is allowed reach only on a platform that they have already conditioned many to dismiss on one side of the argument, just like they use Alec Jones. So think about that, right? So if it comes out on Joe Rogan, we, you already know that plenty of people, and it's not, that shouldn't, that's ridiculous of them to do so. It doesn't mean that this is false, but they will say, well, fake news because Joe Rogan. And that's how this works. Doesn't mean Joe Rogan knows that or care. You know, the bottom line is that they set these things up to be dismissed and people will take that bait. Read this for yourself so you understand how serious this is and how dangerous these things are. Now, bringing this into the overarching point about the beginning of the technology that allowed this, the, the risky thing that's happening. And then I want us to ask why there's that risk. As we go through this information and see some of the parts about the earlier technology and, and mistakes that could be made or things that could be done that would increase X, Y, and Z, think about that. Think about maybe that's what's happening now. And then ask, well, why did they not care? If they knew it was possible then, why would it be happening now? Is it because they thought it was more important to push this out? And even though it would hurt people, benefits outweigh the risks? Well, sure it does to them. Or was it just malfeasance? Are they clumsy? They did not know. Ask these questions as we go through this. Now, this was, Texas Lindsay shared this, you know, speaking of the same point of, you know, had you been watching this and so on, it's amazing to me, she shares this out, breaking, former Harvard professor, and, and by the way, we've interviewed Texas, Texas Lindsay, check it on the platform, it's a good interview, former Harvard professor and chair of chemistry and biology was getting paid $50,000 a month by a, quote, Wuhan lab in China. That's, I mean, not even remotely breaking. That's a story from 2020. But it's to say, judge sentenced him to time served to two days in jail and will now be under house arrest for six months after not paying taxes on his China funds. Now, you could argue that was the breaking part, just to be clear. Either way, my point was it's incredible that this topic, because you read the comments is what I'm really talking about. People are just going, what? Reliever? Wuhan? Like, it's, I'm, I'm like, how is it possible that you have not seen this? Well, it's because of the controlled flow of information. It's incredible, this topic, despite being thoroughly discussed by T-Lab and many others countless times since 2020, is somehow unknown to many. It speaks to the aggressively controlled flow of information, even in the independent media. Now, this article, and by the way, this is what happened. He's now been, he was, he's been going back and forth. Like, the whole argument has been that he's been, like, in trouble, right? From 2020, just vanished. The leading scientist in nanotech in the world. And I'll show you what he was working on. Perfect. It is literally the foundation for most of what's happening right now. And in the beginning of the main focus of the utilization of that tech, he just vanishes. I've always said that was just unbelievably ridiculous. Now, could have been organic. Who knows? But then he gets arrested for, it was like smuggling and really it boiled down to not acknowledging the funds that he was getting paid from China. But it was this, ten, the was it 10,000? It was some program he was involved in and plenty of other people involved in. I honestly think that was a completely couched argument that had nothing to do with what was actually happening because it, it wasn't, I mean, even he argues that it wasn't necessarily, it's a whole mire conversation. But after everything was happening with Chinese nationals he got caught with that were smuggling blood samples in their sock from Beth Israel into China and all they charged him with was undisclosed, non-disclosed financial funds. That doesn't make much sense. Sounds like treason to me if that's what they're arguing. But now, all said and done, a judge sentenced him to time served after two days in jail and will now be under house arrest for six months after not paying taxes on his China funds. Now, of course, from a 
partisan perspective, they're going to want to make this about, you know, Biden and China and all of that. And maybe they're right. But it's obviously bigger than that, in my opinion. It's, it's a government thing that goes from left to right to the reality of all of it. And it's about the direction all of this is going from Trump to Biden. And we need I think we need to see that. Now, here's where this begins for me. For those that were in the past wondering why there would be a connection to him in general, there's plenty of them. But here's one that really stands out. This one is a uh, this I believe this was an interview with I think Whitney might have been in this during the daily wrap up episode, but also there was it's based on one of her articles as well. But remember Bob Langer, the coronavirus common denominator has ties to Charles Lieber, Charles Lieber. And there's always the links involved. You can watch the shows for yourself. Now, here's just an article about this from 2020. Bob Langer on how science can tackle COVID-19. Here's what it says. Langer is the academic co-founder of U.S. biotech Moderna. So he's the academic backing for and co-founder of Moderna. Seen as the front runner in the race, Moderna, to develop a vaccine against COVID-19, Moderna has recently secured $483 million in funding from the U.S. Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority, BARDA, to take their mRNA vaccine to phase two trials. Now, remember, the phase three that was like, we'll get to it, is the one that exposed, that they lied about how seriously dangerous it is. But it says in the special webinar, Langer will discuss COVID-19 research taking place in his lab and how, how, and how advances in nanotechnology and healthcare could enable humanity to address the current crisis. So one, I'll show you that this was by no means a new thing. It's not like we have some revolution in this. This has been going on for almost a decade. So why is it being presented as some kind of new revolutionary thing? Even though he's already been working on this the whole time. I, don't, I think it's because of the way it needs to be presented to the, to the people. My personal opinion. Either way, the point is Bob Langer, obviously overlapped with Moderna. The COVID research himself is tied to Charles Lieber. Now, Charles Lieber is the individual. And you can see them mention different things in their research to go back to Charles Lieber's connection to the work itself, right? So as, in this moment, Bob Langer is working on the science behind the, these COVID-19 injections for Moderna, which, by the way, we know ended up being the lipid nanoparticle, the mRNA platform, and all the different stuff that we're going to show you right now built on the back of what Charles Lieber was working on. So you can see an obvious overlap to all of this. Now, here is stuff that you won't be able to find on the internet right now unless it's on the way back machine, which we've shown you before. But if you try to look at this, it's no longer there. Now, it says here, the Lieber group is focused broadly on science and technology at the nanoscale, harnessing the unique physical properties of novel nanomaterials to push scientific boundaries in biology and medicine. This one is interesting. We've talked about these. We are pushing the boundaries in design, synthesis, characterization, and hierarchical, hierarchical assembly of nanoscale materials with an emphasis on novel nanostructures and device arrays for use at the interface with biology and medicine. But just this is, this is the foundation of this work. Here on nanobioelectrics, it says we are pioneering the interface between, so you think brain-machine interface, this overlaps with all of this direction. The interface between nanoelectrics and the life sciences, from sensors for real-time dis disease, real disease detection to development of novel cyborg cells and hybrid nanoelectric in innervated tissues. Right, so we're talking about novel cyborg cells. This overlaps with the main point we're going to get to in regard to his virus-sized transistors. In 2011, though, right, so realize that this even, well, this is just a general page. What we're talking about here is in 2020. 
So the virus-sized transistors that act exactly like a virus when released in the wild that they completed back then, that's what we're talking about. Brain science, it says, we are focusing on a novel approach for integrating electronics within the brain and other areas of the nervous system, which involves non-invasive syringe delivery of neural network-like mesh electronics into targeted distinct brain regions. Now, we're going to do a focus point on that that I think is really interesting, the focus being on how the revolutionary aspect was, well, if we just tip these in a syringe and inject it directly, it seems to alleviate a lot of the problems. Unless this happens, and, and then that's one of the points I'm getting into, which maybe that's what's going on, which why it's hurting some people, if that's the case. Now, this was the one from 2014. It's just his bio, which is also gone. And there's a couple of additions in 2022 that I wanted to read. Here, it just simply says that Libra has also developed and applied a new chemically sensitive microscopy for probing organic and biological materials at nanometer to molecular scales. Now, remember this whole probing and, and the, uh, the uh, sensor aspect. I believe there's an overlap with this to the whole testing aspect of all of this. And, and this is, we'll get into it more specifically in the next part. It says Libra has been a pioneer in nanoscience and nanotechnology. And just so we're clear again, at this point, or when he, when he got in trouble, he is the leading scientist in the world of nan- on nanotechnology. Libra has been a pioneer in nanoscience and nanotechnology where he has originated new paradigms that have defined the rational growth, characterization, and original applications of functional nanometer diameter wires and heterostructures. Lieber has provided seminal concepts central to the bottom-up paradigm of nanoscience in its entirety and has been a leader in defining directions and demonstrating applications of nanomaterials in areas ranging from electronics, computing, photonics, which we've talked about, as well as pioneering the interface between electronics with biology and medicine, including his current focus in brain science. That becomes the main part here. In his spare time, this is just a quick little side note, Lieber has been active in commercializing nanotechnology. Which is, that's interesting. So, so he's, he's studying this from a scientific level, being funded by both the U.S. and China simultaneously. And, and on his free time, apparently, he just created a, a nanotechnology company and is commercializing the same nanotechnology that he's, that he's studying. So wildly cutting-edge nanotechnology that we don't even understand barely even today, back then, in 20, or well, this is 2022, but I think this was the same, yeah, same point down here nano cis and the same thing back in 2014 or even further so you're commercializing something that is not even understood even to this day about most of the population ah okay you know why because you're commercializing it for military for government for the what it became today that's my opinion anyway so let's talk about what nano cis inc and vista therapeutics you know let's look at this really quickly just a quick interesting overlap so nano as of 2022 august 11th was involved with the quantum dot market, which I think is interesting. Now, this is this goes into now. I don't know whether or not you can argue that this is the iter- one of the variations of what we're talking about, and that would make this really concerning. And I'll show you what I mean. Or if this is just a secondary overlap to it, you guys can decide for yourself. But here's what it says: Quantum dot market 2022 demand trends and forecasts. Quantum materials, Samsung Electronics, and NanoSys, which again is Charles Lieber's company. Now. It says, uh, where was it here? Oh, I, I don't think this was the main point, but it, it's basically what it's talking about. Oh, actually, no, it was this right here. So this is Nanosys. 
And it says, revolutionizing the way displays are made to deliver vivid color, lifelike brightness, and incredible power efficiency at a more attractive price point than competing technologies. More than 800 consumer-loved mass-produced products featuring our quantum dot technology. So what we're talking about now is mass-produced AI screen technology that apparently is already being mass-produced and is in front of all of our youth. Now, that could just be coincidental. Or if we're really taking this to the extreme, at least we should be asking the question. If we're talking about some sort of a nano, you know, something that could be used against somebody somehow. And this has been completed, whether we're talking the virus size transistor level or some other nanotechnology that was available in 2011 that they've been marketing and commercializing for people other than us this whole time. It kind of makes you wonder whether or not this could be another variation. That's, that's, we, it's way too late. Over 900 patents covering materials to processes and methods to applications. Now, you can read through this. I, personally, I don't think this, I mean, this could just be a connected point that says, you know, either way, it's concerning that this technology is somehow rolled out to basically everywhere around the world. And then here is Vista Therapeutics, which seems to be closed. Funding was 2010, but it says private right here. So maybe it just went private. We don't know what's going on. I don't know. But here was the page. You can see Charles Lieber right there before it, the Wayback Machine. It says, Vista, uh, Vista recently introduced the nano biosensor, just so we can see that this is the same direction. The first commercial sensor capable of real-time multiple biomarker measurements. At the core of Vista's technology are nanowires, microscopic wires whose uh, con, uh, con, uh, conductance, 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 conductance as a conducting, whose conductance varies with great sensitivity as the concentration of target molecules passing over the wires changes. The nano biosensor unit is compact, as shown in the illustrations, and its data output can be captured in real time on an ordinary PC. All you need to do is functionalize one of our chips with the antibody you're interested in. Put it in the unit, fire up the software, and you're ready to begin taking measurements. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Now, the point in all this is that this is clearly overlapped with a lot of different directions that, that are taking place today. Now here, to reiterate, which many of you have seen, is the Harvard Post from 2011 discussing what he was truly working on. One of the, which in my opinion is the most obvious overlap. I mean, you can't even deny this overlap with what is being used in these injections today. 2011, mind you, January, February, Charles Lieber and his colleagues used nanowires, as we just talked about, to create a transistor so small Virus-sized, in fact, that it can be used to enter and probe cells without disrupting the intracellular machinery. So what, that's exactly what we're talking about. Well, we just talked about a few different things, and just wait for the next part. These nanoscale semiconductor switches could even be used to enable two-way communication with individual cells. Nanoscale device can actually communicate with a living organism. But when his team coated the hairpin nanowire with a fatty lipid layer, the device, it's the point was they couldn't figure out how to get it work. It was hurting people or hurting the cells and so on. So when they figured out this new revolutionary process of coating it with a fatty lipid, nanolipid particle, the device was easily pulled into the cell via membrane fusion, a process related to the one cells used to engulf viruses and bacteria, which is exactly what we're talking about today. Now, is that just what we're talking about in the context of a virus-sized transistor that we're pretending is a virus, or is it actually a virus and this was just the working model? I don't know, but the whole point is, well, let me finish this just to hear what he says in the next part. It says, this innovation is important, Lieber explains, because it indicates that when a man-made structure 
is as small as a virus or bacteria, it can behave the way biological structures do. So the point being is that if this hypothetically was released to test it, we wouldn't even know the difference. Or if it was accidentally released and they're covering that up, we wouldn't even know the difference. Think about that. Such devices might one day provide hybrid biological digital computation, which is not one day, they're talking about that now. Or deep brain stimulation, or serve as interface for prosthetics, that same thing we keep hearing. All that, sure. Or also, maybe surveillance, maybe control, maybe technocratic propticon. That, all of that is in the same conversation, but it's funny how when Musk talks about brain-machine interface, all it's about is, don't you want to solve cancer? Don't you want to solve the prosthetic? Don't you want to let people walk again? Well, no one... The, Yes, but without the bad side of it, too, right? That the point is that this is concerning. And all of it's happening in multiple ways when it seems to stem back to the same direction. And it says, when scaled down, the difference between digital and living systems blurs, blending your biological, your digital identities, so that you have an opportunity to do things that sound like science fiction. Things that people have only dreamed about. Okay, so you guys have seen that many times. So when a structure is as small as a virus, that it, can be, it behaves the way they do. So this is, in my opinion, the main focal point of the overlap with the, the nanolipid particles encapsulating the mRNA, or at least what we're told, who knows if this is all true, and the point is that that is creating, or has the instructions for, the spike protein. All of this ties back to the bigger picture of whatever they were trying to achieve in regard to the delivery system, the sensors, the bioinformation. Now, the really concerning part about this is whether what has been done, if this is the case, right? If this is something, let's say these are virus-sized transistors or some other version of what they created to be able to send back information or to wait till we see this next part, see in real time what you're doing. Hypotheticals, and I'll show you the peer-reviewed science to back it up, but you know, hypothetically that we don't know it's connected to this. But if that's the case, I guess where I'm going with this is that the, the, the science around what we're talking about today, what would that, what were the implications? Why would that be done? For those that would be, you know, why would they possibly? Well, the obvious reality here is control over your life to drive you into a, 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 or even how about this? Because they think it'll be better for you. That's what they want you to think anyway. I don't believe that. I think it's obvious and verifiable that's not what's happening. But that's what seems to be the direction right now that, you know, if we all just do this, if we all just, it, you know, like if we all just take an enzyme that's, that makes us not want to eat meat, well, the world will be saved. We've heard these arguments. Then you've heard the arguments about how we should do this without people knowing. Classic one I've shown you many times, 2019, right before this starts, but there's more than one of these too. compulsory moral bioenhancement. So if this was the idea of putting this out in the world so these things could end up in your body and then execute something. And they decided that was the best thing for everybody, the best thing for the world, for humanity, for food sustainability. Well, what they, this is what they said. Some theorists argue that moral bioenhancement ought to be compulsory, so forced. He takes this argument one step further, arguing that if moral bioenhancement should be compulsory, then its administration ought to be covert rather than overt. He says this is to say that it's morally preferable. That's a stretch for compulsory, forced moral bioenhancement to be administered without you knowing. Knowing that you're receiving that enhancement. The argument for this is that if moral bioenhancement ought to be compulsory, so they just, so the whole point is if we decide amongst ourselves, you know, your betters, that you need this because you're too dumb to understand, well, we should just do it without you knowing. 
because you're too dumb to understand. That's the premise here. He says that the administration is a matter of public health and for this reason should be governed by public health ethics. How you even have an argument of ethics with this kind of conversation blows my mind. But these people are lost. Now, you could argue he's lying and he's part of the agenda, but there are a lot of people that actually believe this kind of garbage. Like, I think I just sovereign Senate shared this today. People making the argument that we need to save free speech by censoring certain people. That, that's the most Orwellian thing we've ever heard. And that's the game we're playing today. Right. So bringing this into what Miriam shared with me. Thank you, Miriam. You guys should make sure you check out her work. She, like I pointed out recently, did a great two part discussion on the EUA the approval lie manipulation, rather. She says, look at Charles Lieber's already busy at work. Now, just so it's clear, we showed you he's been working a lot, actually. Which, how does that even make sense? So he's been continuing the research on high-level studies with this work while he's on, what, house arrest in prison? I don't buy it for a second. He's been working since this started. And I guess we just assume he's been in trouble. Apparently not. But here, her point is, this is April 21st, 2023. Glad you are working on stitching flexible electronics into the brain instead of serving any jail time as a spy. <laughs> Hashtag transhumanism. Great point. Great post on this. Thank you for sharing. Now, I mean, whether you think he's a spy or not is kind of gets into the whole maybe part of the two party paradigm part of it. But either way, people are spying whether or not you believe the two party paradigm. <clears throat> but April 21st, 2023, Charles Lieber. By the way, here's the he's supposed to seem crazier. So right now he's even like he just got charged. So he's guilty, even though they just said, ah, time served for working with the Chinese government in ways the U.S. didn't know about. And what's he been doing the entire time without question and continuing the work working with the Chinese right now? How do you make sense of that without realizing that the whole thing we were spun about what happened with him? We're being lied to. There's or or at the very least, there's part of the story that we're this being withheld because none of that makes any sense. Sort of how you could point out that Trump and the Trump administration were screaming, China, Wuhan flu, they didn't let us know. And then you can prove that Operation Warp Speed absolutely took at face value a genetic sequence from China to be the basis of all of the injections. And they, they then admitted that at that time they hadn't isolated it. I still argue nobody has. My point is that they admitted that they hadn't when they gave them that. And yet in two days after they gave it to him, mRNA, mRNA-1273 became the injection that they still give today. But the bad guy China, though, we, they didn't let us know, but we'll blindly trust your genetic sequence. Don't buy it. The two-party paradigm is making people stupid. This is crazy. And this is right back to, so this comes full circle, really. You've got Charles Lieber being the beginning foundational discussion for what became a lot of different things, including the injection. Now you've got him using this to basically fulfill the next step of the brain-machine interface with Elon Musk and all of this. It says, understanding complex neuronal networks requires monitoring long-term neuronal activity in various regions of the brain. Now, ask yourself whether this could be something that they're currently doing. Whitney and I had a great conversation a long time ago about whether or not, and it just simple, see, they, they hate this. Because I'm not saying that I know this or believe this even or pro can prove it at all, but just as a thought to entertain. You know, so if we're asking what might be the purpose of what they're doing with these injections, assuming there might be something in there, right? Like, if so, if the whole game is to get something in your body. What are they trying to do with that? We can talk about the graphene conversation. Even that overlaps with this. My thought was just theorizing okay well whitney's talked a lot about the idea of the singularity and the idea that it seems that they've there are basically trying to convince us that they've reached that even though they haven't and a, a toy around thought is possibly that they aren't capable of it at least not right now 
And that's very important for the Internet of Things, 5G, city, all that stuff they're building towards. So one side of it is convincing us that they are there. So we take what they say at face value as AI. But on top of it, what if, this is my thought, this was about more so meshing the human brain. If you work, you know, work with like, you know, internet and stuff, meshing, you can have different routers and, you know, kind of meshes it together. And the point being that right now with Twitter, let's say, people talk about that as the closest thing to like the streaming human consciousness as a whole, right? But they can't, they can't get it to work properly in the sense of the individual. So what better way to kind of map how the brain works on a mass scale to achieve that than administering something where you could map mesh and monitor in real time? Yeah, they, that sounds crazy. No more crazy, though, than anything we can prove right now that they've been doing to you for 10 years. Now, there's, I don't mean necessarily the injection. All sorts of things. 20 years. You can point to a lot of things that were once fake news crazy that are literally happening. So think about that as we go forward. Now, I'll show you why that makes more sense, the conversation of the actual surveillance of it all. So again, understanding this, it requires monitoring long-term neuronal activity in various regions of the brain. Again, so if they were trying to achieve that end, how could they do that in a mass scale? possibly this way. Significant progress has been made in multi-site impl implantations of well-designed probes, such as multi-site implantation of psi-based and polymer-based probes. Here, we report a long, single, flexible probe that can be implanted by stitching into multiple regions of the mouse brain or human brain and subsequently transmit chronically stable neuronal signals from the multiple sites via a single low-mass interface. Sounds interesting. And alarming. Here's what it says at the end. It says, overall, multi-site implantation of flexible mesh electronics into the brain via stitching using a smaller delivery shuttle opens up a new paradigm for flexible probe design and multi-site implantation in the brain and possibly other tissues. We believe that this approach could provide critical information in fundamental neuroscience research. Well, exactly. Such as full understanding of learning, memory storage, by chronically monitoring thousands of single unit level neural signals from multiple targeted sites of the brain and be adapted eventually to wireless interfaces. Now, why wouldn't this be applied in a mass in a larger scale? And if that's the case, then why wouldn't they attempt to do it in a way that would be done without you knowing? And maybe they believe it wouldn't hurt you now or not just a possibility, but think about, and I'm, in this case, what we're talking about in the study is, you know, implantable stuff, but here's where it gets interesting. And this is, this is the ultimate, one of the main ultimate points to all this. This is April 21st, 2023, right? Well, here's a study from 2015. Remember I talk about how they love to wave around these gigantic chips in front of you and go breaking cutting edge science. And we, we know that they're far past the level of smart dust based on their own documents and symposiums on smart dust from 2010, showing you that they're a 10th the size of a piece of paper. Yet they wave these big chips around because they want the average person, in my opinion, to think that's the level we're at. We're not. We're way, way, way past that. So 2015, injectable meshes for neural recordings. So it says, neural activity is often recorded with rigid electrode arrays that are implanted via surgical openings in the skull. That's kind of what we're talking about, right? The, the surgical implantation of the, the fibers and whatever he was talking about, right? But in this case, it says the inflexible nature of such electrodes can require compromises in their positioning and may lead to shifts in their location during long-term recordings. To overcome these issues, ideal recording electrodes would be flexible and integrate into the tissue. Hey, look at that. Charles Lieber and his team at Harvard University have developed flexible meshes that can be injected 
into biomaterials and tissues, and that contain electronics suitable for recording neural activity or other applications. Well, that's interesting. So if Charles Lieber had done this in, enabled, in a way to be injected via, in, via syringe, you can see it right there, that would be able to record. Now, arguably, what they're talking about is neural activity. But just wait, it gets more interesting. But the point is that even that, if all you want to do is monitor how our bodies are reacting in real time, well, that would be one way to do that. <clears throat> now it says, uh, according to Lieber, the idea of flexible, injectable electronics has evolved. Oh, I was just going to point out that. So again, in 2023, it's interesting that that's not even like, how is it possible that that can be completed in 2015? Even more so that this, this kind of level can be all the way back in 2011. It's almost as if the surface of the conversation becomes more and more ham-fisted, clumsy, blunt, as opposed to the intricate level that we're at this, at this point, right? But going forward, it's according to Lieber, the idea of flexible, injectable electronics has evolved over several years and builds on tissue engineering work in his lab. He had become increasingly disillusioned with chip-based work and as and was looking for less invasive ways to interface with tissues. So it's interesting that all now he's back to the chip-based, or rather, uh, what's the term they're using in this? S flexible probe. A uh, was down here. I just want to get the word right. He's talking about. Uh, I mean, this even says mesh, multi-site implantation of flexible mesh electronics, right? So why are we talking about an implant? I mean, I don't see the word syringe. In here, I'm spelling that right. <laughs> oh, yeah, Y R I N. Okay, well, it does listen this in here, so this is not in the top part of it. Let's see what this says. Having shown that the new hexagonal array probe design and injection method are comparable to the standard mesh design and the syringe based injection method, we further ask whether a stable interface with the neuronal and glial networks is formed during stitching and plantation using the needle. Now, here's what's really interesting to me. So apparently this is the same exact thing. I read through this, and the, it's, what's interesting to me is it seems almost like an underplay of this being, I mean, maybe I just missed this. Like how I read through this, hold on. We focus on probes mesh like in a single site implantation by syringe injection. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how I must have missed that. But either way, the point is that makes it even more clear to me, quite honestly, that ultimately what we're talking about in 2023 is a syringe-based mesh injectable in order to map and surveil and, and do and research. All the way in 2015, they were already talking about this. He had become increasingly disillusioned with the chip idea, saying this re required reducing overall feature sizes and increasing flexibility and making the connectivity look more and more like something that is natural. Right. So we're talking about something that is perceived to be a natural substance but in fact isn't possibly everything we're dealing with right now in regard to the virus transistors but he says in addition to the flexibility of the material the ability to simply inject the electronics further reduces the invasiveness of the tool however to allow the meshes to be inserted into syringes the researchers had to make some simple adjustments to the mesh design you don't want this to crumple up like a ball of aluminum foil or get that jam to the needle well you know we know a lot of these directional changes open there but the point being lipid nanoparticle was the huge directional change now that this gets more into specifically how it can mesh uh, hurt the mesh but we know how they achieved the way to get this invasive 
how to get this micro nano size concept into the cell was by, or rather even just in these tissues was by using the lipid nanoparticle direction. Now it says once the mesh is injected, it behaved, its behavior depends on the surrounding tissue or material. Within soft, flexible surroundings, the mesh can expand and unfold. However, when injected into the dense tissue of a mouse brain, it can expand only a little and thus does not cut into and damage the tissue. Maybe that's what's happening. If this is something that's been released, it's being used, maybe that's hurting people. More importantly, the mesh has mechanical properties and feature sizes similar to those of neural tissue, yielding almost no immunoreactivity in contrast to other electrodes. It says the researchers demonstrated the, st- the suitability of the injectable electronics by using them to record local field potentials in mouse hippocampus. So brain activity. Standard analysis methods even allowed them to identify single unit action potentials in their recordings. A benefit of the injectable electronics is that the researchers can position them with a precision of 10 micrometers, and they know exactly where the recording electrodes are located on the mesh. Lieber thinks that these, mi- these meshes can even be placed more precisely than rigid probes. In addition, the injected meshes enable chronic recordings as they are incorporated into the tissue and then position remains stable. So how would you ever know this was not a natural substance if this is something that ends up being and acting and looking just like a natural substance because of its size? He says, quote, we are able to record really nice single unit data over literally four months. You know what's really interesting to me? This just kind of blew my mind. What's the time frame they keep telling you you need to get another injection? Four months. After four months, make sure you get another injection. Now, look, it's dangerous to continue to, in a confirmation bias way, grab the things that add up as you go forward. So let's make sure we think about that. But anyway, in any case, though, that's something that's very interesting. After four months, they keep, that, that's the one number that keeps showing up. And three months in some places, but four months saying, you know, even after the, even the collapsing of the efficacy, the negative efficacy, that was three months. So the point being, it seems that after four months in this, if this is the something we're talking about, they no longer have recording the brain data. That's interesting. Finally, the injectable electronics enable experiments that were not previously possible. That's what I think is the one of, that they need to expand this out and map things and study things. In collaboration with Josh Sains at Harvard, Lieber has started a, a, to perform electrophysiological recordings in the mouse retina, which was previously not accessible in the body because the injectable electronics are essentially transparent. They don't interfere with the vision. Lieber even dreams of recording from multiple sites simultaneously, such as, you know, your eyes and your visual cortex and your brain, which should be possible as the electronics are so easy to inject. 2015. 2023. Here's Charles Lieber literally doing the same thing. Now, the real question becomes in 2015 and the, the retina and all this stuff, if, you know, this is something we should ask, whether what we're talking about is something that has been mass distributed to whether it's experiment or however we're talking about this. And ultimately, it's to the point to where not just brain material or brain uh, uh, readings, but retina and visual cortex. So could you not literally be watching what somebody is seeing? I mean, this is crazy, dystopian, next level stuff, which is why I again want to point out that down here, it says, when scaled down, the difference between digital and living organism systems blurs so that you have an opportunity to do things that sound like science fiction. Things that people have only dreamed about. 2011. It's where we are. So we just talked about some pretty interesting things. 
about genetic barcodes, right? As well as, what was the other thing? Um, now I'm forgetting all of a sudden. Oh, there was another reason that I had this out. Shoot. <laughs> I knew there was another point. Either way, great show, which I guess highly recommend you watch, DNA contamination and all sorts of other things. But there was something else to this that I'm forgetting all of a sudden. I guess I'll leave it. Well, the point was, that point alone is enough. The, 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 the Oh, wait. Yes, yes, I'm so glad I remember this. Okay, this was the point. To, to wrap this over with this, this was a big focus that I wanted to, I actually want Brock to try to break this down. Remember we talked, we reiterated this discussion. So we talked, actually Whitney's the first one to share this with me way back in, when is this, 2020? I think she showed me this. It came out in 2016. But remember this one, genetically engineered magnetoprotein remotely controls brain and behavior. This was not a joke. This was not hyperbole. Read this thing. This is literally talking about using the ferritin iron uh, protein to and, and genetically engineering the specific injection to basically control your brain and actions. And it's real. And it actually worked on, mal- uh, was it a mouse or something else they tested on? That's 2016. So the over- my overlapping point with this was to go deep into not just ferritin, but these other, the other uh, work that's being done. And these barcodes specifically in regard to genetically encoded barcodes. for cor- the, So you know, all this mapping and, and tracking and surveillance down to the genetic level. I mean, this needs to be concerning, even if you don't think it's being used now, just because of how obviously this could be used in this way. So make sure you go through and watch this segment specifically. And as always, the links are in chronological order, so you can kind of see where it is in the show. It's important stuff. So this brings me to the last part, which is just, again, asking these questions, which is I told you in the beginning. This, this is something that is very real that people are still dismissing. The concept of self-spreading vaccines is not a new topic. It has been around a while. And we did this show all the way back in 2021, but you can look at the data. There's stuff they've been talking about this before COVID-19. And then weirdly, it got super quiet. And now it seems to be, you know, Johns Hopkins put out a document talking about human-to-human self-spreading vaccines. It's a real topic. And right now they're talking about this as, in, in the same realm of this conversation, that you're too dumb to know that you should get vaccinated. So we should just put it out in the world and you can't say no. There is actual high-level conversation about this argument. That's terrifying. So the point being, in case you guys forget, just play this one again really quickly, and then we'll pretty much wrap the show up today, is that this is not a joke. This is a Europe think, high-level European think tank that was talking about exactly this thing during COVID-19. Since the outbreak of COVID-19, the word virus has been dominating media headlines as well as our daily lives. Did you know that one approach that has been proposed to control virally transmitted diseases is by releasing a virally transmitted vaccine? Unlike traditional vaccines, infectious vaccines do not require any individual consent. Hey, all right, we don't need to ask your permission anymore. Oh, we didn't need it in the first place. Who cares? On top of that, realize what you're staring at right there, frozen the podcast, is a woman who gets injected. And then you can see these little SARS-CoV-2 particles floating down her arms and getting touching the boy and getting him and then touching the pregnant woman sitting next to her and getting her and then touching the child touching that pregnant woman's arm. 
Now, what have we seen here in this regard during COVID? We've seen examples of exactly this happening, of whether, I mean, even just on a smaller level, like breast milk transmission or any number of other things where people are literally getting not just sick, which we've seen, which they've denied, but also transferring spike protein, mRNA. This is wildly concerning. This is already being discussed, and I think we have to ask whether if that's the case in 2020, which is when this is being talked about, has it already happened? Have they, is this just getting us to accept it after it's been done? Are we, are, is the moral bio-enhancement discussion, is that really what we're dealing with here? Any individual consent. Infectious solutions are also being developed for food and agriculture and are currently making their way through the regulatory approval process. Yep. However, do we really want to intentionally disperse these modified viruses outside the lab? Is this a forward march of science or a mistake? Join our live event. Yeah. Join our live event where we basically give you lip service to go, should we care? Nope, let's move forward. <laughs> it's always, no, we care about surveillance. So we care about your safety and security insofar as we'll mention it and then never talk about it again. That's usually how these things go. In either case, it's 2020, guys. This is where we are. This is a real discussion of actually, like, so the idea that we can dismiss this as conspiracy theory when they're sitting there going, should we do it, is not just naive. I mean, that's not just irresponsible. That's dangerous. You are hurting people by not, by not acknowledging what this really is. So this is a great episode we did on self-spreading vaccines. Not just that, but also self-amplifying, which was actually the original model. And they've now, which by the way, I even argue probably is what this is. It's continuing to make, I mean, that's what this one was. The, uh, the study we've shown many times, which talks about the continued synthesis. It keeps, it continues, sustained synthesis of SARS-CoV spike proteins. That's one of the discussion points of self-amplifying mRNA. We went through this. Now, even Pfizer's documents in early points listed their, do- their, their j- injection as self-amplified. Nobody's addressed that. I think I, I haven't seen literally anybody but T-Lab. Tell me if you've seen somebody else. But also way back in 2021, COVID vaccine mental disruption, which anybody on us has seen this way back then. But the main point here is, do you think that this could be something that was already used? We saw we talked about the Omicron discussion where that seemingly was just inserted into the discussion. Right. And all of a sudden everything changed. And maybe that was just narrative. Maybe not. Either way, for diplomats, we don't know where it came from. Diplomatic immunity. We've talked about this many times. That was Botswana, not South Africa. But yet they all talk about South Africa as the origin for Omicron. This whole thing has been a controlled narrative. So was that something they did? Was that a secondary aspect to try to put something back in control? Right. Maybe the original point was exactly this. I don't know. But this is there. And the obvious evidence is, I mean, it would be dangerous to not ask these questions at this point with how much evidence we have. Now, this was shared recently by uh, Unswerve. Transmissible viral vaccines developed shortly before the pandemic. Now, that is, this is 2018 and it says transmissible viral vaccines. What it says is two types of live viral vaccine are amenable to transmission. Attenuated and recombinant vector vaccines. Genetic, and just, this is, no, we're not, this is not talking about mRNA necessarily, but what we're talking about is just the fact that in 2018, they were openly conversing about the concept of transmissible vaccines, not as accidents by using viral vaccines, which right now the point is where they're getting away from that and saying, oh, well, it shed or it got, you know, because they are viral and then it got sick. No, we're talking about things that were, they're discussing these designed this way. And here's the main point, genetic engineering 
right? Not just accidents of the past in regard to vaccine. You know, oops, our, our oral polio gave you polio. These are engineered this way. And that is exactly the point. We're talking about genetic modification, genetic engineering, genetic therapy. Genetic engineering now enables the design of live viral vaccines that are potentially transmissible. So potentially, I guess they get to decide. <laughs> Some designs merely modify a single viral genome to improve on the age-old method of attenuation, whereas the other designs create chimeras of viral genomes, which is what we're talking about today. Transmission has the benefit of increasing herd immunity above that achieved by direct vaccination alone, but also increases the opportunity for vaccination evolution, which typically undermines vaccine utility. Oh, well, that's interesting. So any, nowhere do they mention the concept that how that just circumvents the age-old and, and foundational concept of informed consent. Who cares about that in the science? But ultimately, that they do include, which they, they seem to call vaccine evolution, but I think what they mean is the viral variant evolution. What they're talking about is, well, this continues to spread and continues to change, and that, that creates the evolution of what you're being given. So the thing in the vaccine evolves, and suddenly it hurts the process, the utility of it. It's a very benign way to write that, but that is what we're talking about, right? That's the whole point. And what did I just, uh, was just talking about, where did I just see that? It doesn't matter. I'm for, oh, uh, right here. I, I, it's right. The, we talked about this all the way back then. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> this is a. Uh, oh, you've seen that too. Are COVID vaccines creating variants? Well, let's look at what the scientific research says. This was all the way back in 2021 of July. So, the last point is to ask on top of the injections themselves is whether or not something like this is utilized. Here's an article all the way back in 2017. It's here. Geoengineering now normalized as scientists spray chemicals to dim the sun and soak up CO2. It's amazing how even right now they talk about it and there are people like, conspiracy theory. Oh, well, they're just talking about it. No, no, they're not. They've been doing it a long time and they were even doing it here. We pointed it out then. And, you go, and it's amazing how that's fake news until they actually do it for the same reason now. Like, no, now it's real. Okay, so we just got lucky and guessed exactly. No, they talked about it in 2017. We've talked about, I mean, I, I even actually see it circulating today. People posting the Brennan clip from the, I think it was the, was the Council on Foreign Relations. I forget what, what medium was at, where he's talking about doing exactly that. The, aeros, the, the uh, stratospheric aerosol, uh, aerosol injection, is that what it is? In any case, the point is that he's talking about it to, to fight climate change. But their whole argument is, no, he wasn't talking about doing it. He's just theorizing. Well, then it's not fake news then. If he's even talking about it, it's real. So it's just really dumb the way they handle this conversation. The point is, it's not cloud seeding. This is geoengineering. It's been going on a long time. So what else is happening? If we're talking about the concept of self-spreading vaccines, if we're talking about the concept of virus-sized transistors and things that could be released, smart dust, is that not possibly what's happening? You all know this. I doubt, I doubt any of you have even failed to ask that question already. Either way, Oh, and by the way, Derek has been doing amazing work on geoengineering on the last American Vagabond. So just here, I should just do this. I believe I have the tag on here probably. Just uh, open up geoengineering as the tag so you guys could look at other work. He's done some amazing work recently just on that main topic. But to finish up, here's also something from January 2023. Intranasal Sendai virus-based SARS-CoV-2 vaccine using a mouse model. Okay, so if you thought that this was over or this was moving on, they are literally still working. Even in the lab, they should, we should, this is not something we should be okay with. When they're talking about intranasal, so essentially to a degree aerosolized injection in your nose, that's based on something, it's a Sedai virus. So now they're using another virus mechanism or you know medium 
to make this. I mean, th- this is they're playing. This is the Wild West of genetics at this point, in my opinion. And we, we just saw how this played out. How are we even allowing these people to continue forward on this model with this work when we know what just happened? I think this is very concerning. Now, lastly, let's not forget that after all that we just discussed, the way this went down is important. That the bottom line is this started in January 2020, where Charles Lieber was arrested, in regard to Charles Lieber anyway. Right, right in the beginning of all this. Now, all of this history and all of the work, it was not just foundational, but like absolutely necessary for almost everything they're doing today. And it just so happens that he gets arrested working with China, of all people, in regard to exactly the same thing, to a Wuhan lab, to money from that lab, to shuttling blood from, I mean, come on. There is clearly something going on in this topic that we don't know. And I think that's more than just even what I talked about. It's more than just the fact that his research is the foundation for all this. There's something here. I feel it in my bones, but that's my opinion. The bottom line is I really hope, as I said before, that people will continue just on that clip to do the research themselves. Find more on this. Reach out to me. Let me know. Because, excuse me, I'm convinced that whether Charles himself is aware or involved, that this is exactly what we're talking about. To the point, possibly, that this was something that was done accidentally or otherwise, and they just don't know how to stop it or don't care because the whole point is about using it to utilize something that is you know at your expense essentially but that's just that's what i try to do with this show guys is ask questions and give you information for you to build peace for yourself and you know and often we do find many answers there's actually plenty of answers in this in itself for people that don't understand the full picture of the risk involved in plenty of other things but you tell me what you think I'm, I, I believe that we are living through one of the most obvious examples of, you know, tyrannical overreach or whatever you would call it, where it's, they're just they're showing their, 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 they pulled the mask off. And now it's up to us to realize that. Now, you know, I, I, I was going to put some extra comments on the end of this today, but I wanted this to be the focus. I didn't, I, I didn't even end up getting to the, the Tucker conversation or the, the debates or any other. It's just I'm just thinking about this to myself today. I'm just going, God, it's just so obvious how we continue to fall for this stuff. I played a clip of, of him talking with, talking with Redacted in regard to the, the 9-11 discussion. My point is not to say it's brand new. My point is to say it's, it's, it's almost like the same model over and over. And I said, who else, who else do we remember talking about 9-11, talking about JFK, talking about all the things that we care about, and then doing nothing about them and going in the direction, using it to get garner support? I just don't know how to keep falling for it. It's always somebody from the inside, but this one's different. This guy... He sees it, and he's going to tell us the truth. Elon Musk is going to break. Come on, guys. Now, I know most of the people in my community, at the very least, willing to question that. But I just know that so many people that are buying into this know and just don't care. So we just need to keep doing the work and keep fighting for the truth and keep putting the information out there because it's my belief that the majority does see it and does care. The media, corporate media, just will not let you see that because that would be the end And they know that. And it's already happening. It's because of you guys. Thank you for being here today. Now, we do have a lot coming your way. A lot of stuff we're working on. All the more support you can reach out for The Last American Vagabond, the better. So thank you for being here. Plenty of ways to support us through the the, the truthclothing.io, getting Question Everything t-shirts, reaching out, subscribing to the Substack, donating directly on the website in many different ways, donating to different platforms. You know, you can donate on all these platforms on Rumble and Rockfin and however else you want to do it. Or most importantly, even if, if it's in the expense of the other, reading, listening, and sharing the content. 
that is by far, I, I don't, if you were weighing, giving me $100 and watching the show, watch the show. Save your money. That's what it's about. Getting this information in people's minds and making sure we understand what's going on so you can, in an educated way, discuss this with people, not just regurgitate talking points from a quick little show that you see, right? You guys know that. That's why you're here. Well, I love you all. Thank you for tuning in. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Let's also be clear. The future is not just happening. The future is built by us. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. Today, we have the technology to hack human beings on a massive scale. Yeah, I mean, everything is being digitalized. Everything is being monitored. In this time of crisis, you have to follow science. Decarbonization of the economy. Where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So, individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. I mean, my top recommendation, honestly, would be just to have a carbon tax. It's often said that you should never allow a good crisis to go to waste because a crisis is an opportunity to also do re good reforms that in normal times people will never agree to, but in a crisis you see we have no chance, so, 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 so let's do it. Surveillance, people could look back in a hundred years and identify the coronavirus epidemic as the moment when a new regime of surveillance took over, especially surveillance under the skin, which I think is maybe the most important development of the 21st century, is this ability to hack human beings, to go under the skin, collect biometric data, analyze it, and understand people better than they understand themselves. This, I believe, is maybe the most important event of the 21st century. By hacking organisms, elites may gain the power to re-engineer the future of life itself. Because once you can hack something, you can usually also engineer it. Natural selection is replaced by intelligent design. The era of inorganic life is now beginning. In the coming decades, AI and biotechnology will give us godlike abilities to re-engineer life and even to create completely new life forms. We are about to enter a new era of inorganic life shaped by intelligent design. Our intelligent design. Nobody will be safe if not everybody is vaccinated. Are you vaccinated? If I yes. may ask. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm very, very pro-vaccination. Yeah. Right? Uh, the science is unequivocal. The difference of this fourth uh, industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing. It changes you. If you take a genetic editing, right. uh, just as an example, it's you who exactly. are changed, yeah, and of yeah. course this has a big impact on yeah. your identity. Yeah. Can you imagine that in 10 years when we are sitting here, we have an implant in our uh, brains, and um, I can immediately feel, because you all will have implants, I can, and we measure your, your brain waves, and I can immediately tell you how the people react, or I can feel, uh, how the people react um, to your answers, uh, is it imaginable? Just think of sensors 
implanted into our brains. Basically implanted in your skull. So, uh, <laughs> but it would be flush with your skull. So you basically uh, take out a chunk of skull, replace, put the neural link device in there. Um, you'd, you'd put the the electrode, you'd insert the electrode threads very carefully into the, the brain. To build basically an interface to the brain. Yeah. Electrode to neuron interface at a mic micro level. Okay, what is that? Like, I'm gonna have like a plug in my head that's gonna fit into mm -hmm. a hard drive? Like, or how does that work? Yeah, yeah. Ch a chip and a bunch of tiny wires. This, this would be implanted surgically. And it would do what? Could you input? Could you download Jim? Mm hmm. Yes. What, what, what? <laughs> the long term aspiration for Neuralink was, would be to achieve a symbiosis with uh, artificial intelligence. What we have seen so far, it's corporations and governments collecting data about where we go, who we meet, what movies we watch. The next phase is the surveillance going under our skin. COVID is critical because this is what convinces people to accept, to legitimize total biometric surveillance. One of the things that I think is so essential to free and open societies is freedom of thought. Um, and up until now, the conversation we've been having is around freedom of speech. Once we can access people's thoughts and access people's emotions, um, we have to create a space that enables people to think freely. What the fourth industrial revolution will lead to is a fusion of our physical, our digital, and our biological identities. It is important to use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity. So people assume uh, we are just going back uh, to the good old world which we had um, and everything will be normal again in how we are used to normal in the old fashion. This is, uh, let's say, fiction. It will not happen. Um, the... the uh, cut which we have now um, is much too strong uh, in order not to leave traces. The future is not just happening. The future is built by us.